I was at a high level technology conference, you know, very exclusive kind of thing back in around 2000 or so. And one technology CEO took me aside and said, you know, I want to introduce you to this guy, Larry Page, and he's starting this company called Google. It's going to be a search engine. And I was like, we have AltaVista, like, you know, what do we want some other <laughs> search engine for? And not having any recognition that, you know, maybe I would approach this guy and say, can I put a little money in your company? And we wouldn't be sitting here today. I'd be on my yacht out in the Bahamas. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Hey, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. And uh, as is tradition on this show, we always lead with screwing up our guest's name. We, we just we know how to make people feel welcome here. Kevin Mayhee. Is that right, Kevin? Did I say that right? <laughs> no, of course not. Kevin Maney. <laughs> dang, dang it. All right. No, Sam's, I just, I, in, wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, and I just inserted a, there you uh, go. I inserted a letter that wasn't even there. So, Kevin, exactly. I appreciate you taking some time. How, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Sunny day here in New York where I'm looking out my window. It's, it's, a, it's a good day. That is, that is a good day. Is um, I have to ask, because I'm, I, live in the great country of texas so uh we you know we we think a little differently down here in the south we don't even run into as many folks as y'all do uh on the east coast how is thing how have things changed over the last 12 to 18 months give us a little insight into how how folks are living up there on the east coast well well new york has gone through the whole cycle back to back to the beginning um and uh, you know i mean this was it was horrible here you know, 18 months ago. And, um, but because of that and because of the response to it, I think we've come out of it, um, better than most places. And, you know, right now New York is kind of up and running and it's, uh, it's busy. Um, it's, uh, it feels, it feels relatively safe. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, things are kind of getting back to normal. That's good. That's good. Well, what's old is new again, I guess is what the kiddos always say. So um, I, I like hearing I like hearing that things are kind of getting back to normal. Um, so with that being said, let's let's jump right into it. This is uh, this is Knucklehead Podcast. This is not Guy Raz, uh, how I built this. this is not a an NPR style <laughs> show. This is this is a this is an area where honestly people listen to this because they are saying, all right, yeah, here's somebody who comes from a background of consulting, or here's somebody who comes from a background of business ownership or in a specific niche in a CPG type product, or, you know, what are some things that they've screwed up or made mistakes that they could learn from? Or, or the reason why folks listen to this is one, because they, you know, I don't talk a lot in our guests spouts wisdom. I'm just a knuckle dragon knucklehead. And I'm, I'm the guy who led with the, the screw ups and mistakes and started talking about it. And we're fortunate enough to be able to have an audience that is very interactive with not only the guests, but they're interactive with the host community. So you know, when it comes to knuckleheads and things that you've experienced over the course of your career, what's something that stands out to you uh, as a, you know, as a learning lesson as you were kind of developing and coming up in doing what you do now, Kevin? Uh, well, I've, I mean, I've had I've had a, a, a lot of hats over the years um, and I was a I was a journalist for most of my career, um, started out in small daily newspapers and ended up at USA Today for 22 years. Um, and was at USA Today's technology columnist for about 15 of those and was was lucky enough or I guess because I was always writing about technology and the internet or whatever, had a good view on on how uh, the industry I was a part of was was getting in trouble and, and declining and and started to, you know, 
sort of forge my way out um, and, you know, doing some other things, but it's, you know, kind of a series of happen, happy, happy accidents and stuff like that that got me to a position where I'm now, which is basically as a, you know, startup advisor, author, CEO whisperer <laughs> kind of thing. Well, you've had, um, you've had, you've had the year of a lot of people to your point that honestly people don't get access to unless they work within that corporation right or they work within that startup they yeah. they get a, you, oh, yeah. you've had access to uh behind closed doors um and seeing i guess the ugly truth in some cases and having to report on it so talk real quick about almost every go ahead. yeah almost every anybody almost anybody you could yeah so you, you're asking about like you know knucklehead moves in my life um i was at a high level technology conference you know very exclusive kind of thing back in around 2000 or so and one technology CEO took me aside and said, you know, I want to introduce you to this guy, Larry Page, and he's starting this company called Google. It's going to be a search engine. And I was like, we have AltaVista, like, you know, what do we want some other <laughs> search engine for? And not having any recognition that, you know, maybe I would approach this guy and say, can I put a little money in your company? And we wouldn't be sitting here today. I'd be on my yacht out in uh, the Bahamas. So. Yeah, of course. Lessons, um, lessons yeah, learned. I, I, Looking back on it going, completely. if I just stopped for a second and asked, what was the differentiator <laughs> there? So, so just real quick, before you get too far down in that, into that story, in today's world, it seems as if everybody wants to have this pattern interrupt or a, a disruption to the existing supply chain, whether it be through information or having access to information. So what, what USA Today, at least from, from my perspective, used to be was a demand fulfillment type channel as opposed to a demand generation channel where all you had to say was, hey, I, I work with USA Today and people wanted to talk to you. And you were essentially saying, no, that's, it's maybe faded a little bit, but it gave you an opportunity to talk to somebody who was one of the founders of Google. And so talk through, talk through a little bit of how that's changed. Cause I mean, that, that has to mess with somebody who's worked in an industry for an organization like that for 10, 15 years. And, and there's probably maybe a little, a little bit of complacency that you have to kind of um, work against constantly trying to be on the forefront of a cutting edge area like technology, or is that off base? No, no, no. And we've, you know, I mean, like, look, I was fortunate that because of the seat that I had of writing about technology, being at this newspaper company, um, I actually got, you know, all the way up to the to the board of directors, you know, they heard my voice at different times, at different times I was pulled into meetings or some session or whatever to talk about the future of media and newspapers. And they understood where things were going. It's just, um, it's the innovator's dilemma. It's hard to make a switch to a digital format when you're selling full page ads for a hundred times what you can sell a, you know, a click on a, on a website for. And, um, and, you know, they were trapped in their own business model. Um, like every newspaper and old line media company is, you know, I always wanted to, I started writing books early on, um, while I was at USA Today. What kind of books? You know, the first book I had out came, I was, I got really lucky. It was uh, called Mega Media Shakeout. It came out in 1995. It was a, literally the first book that landed about what was going to happen when media went digital. And it hit like right as the Netscape browser kind of thing hit and everybody got excited about the internet. So um, it, it gave me a out of the gate boost as an author. I, I went on to write a biography of Thomas Watson, the guy who built IBM um, and, and uh, wrote a number of other sort of big idea, Malcolm Gladwell-ish kind of sure. things. How was the reception of Play Bigger versus that first one that you had talked about? I mean, obviously you're talking about several books into your portfolio at that time. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll talk a little about the play bigger thing because it actually leads to a story that fits with your knucklehead. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate concept. it. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so I had, uh, yeah, I, well, I, I tie a few th- strings together. Um, by that time I had written a, a handful of books. I had also, because of the, what I was doing for USA Today, Years before, I had met this guy named Al, Al Ramadan, who was the um, CEO and founder of a company called Quaka Sports. Um, and Quaka was, was existed in the dot-com bubble years, the late 1990s. And um, I thought that Quaka was really smart. They were, they were the first company that was really trying to understand how having data and an internet can, can change the, um, the, the concept of viewing sports. And, um, you know, can you use data and, and multiple angles and things like that to change the way people experience a sporting event? Um, and pretty much everything that they were working on and thought of, I mean, you, you take for granted today. The thing about Quaka was it was probably about 10 years too early. Um, it was, you know, trying to do this in an age when we were doing dial-up modems and, you know, inter- people just couldn't do what they wanted to be able sure. to pull off. So Quaka in 2001, I think, maybe folded. But Al, I kept in touch with Al because he was really smart about, um, especially about sports and data and the internet. And whenever that kind of topic came up, I talked to him. And and years later, I get a call from Al saying, you know, I've been working with these two guys, Chris Lockhead and Dave Peterson, um, in this little firm that we formed called Play Bigger um, for the past six or seven years doing um, advisory work for startups. And and um, we think that there's an, a core idea in what we do that could be a book, we'd love to talk to you. So they invited me to a dinner in San Francisco and we sat down and they had this core idea that if you were going to start a company, that the only way to really be a, a successful company would be to to find a, a new category, to find a new category of uh, market category and, and own it over time. Um, and the reasoning was that in, these, in this digital, especially in this digital world, I mean, this has always been the case in some ways, but in in digital markets, it really is a winner take all business in in most categories because there's there's no friction to everyone using what is the perceived best in any particular category. You know, you think about the old days. Well, we were talking about newspapers. Like if you wanted news in 1980, um, you know, you you had to pretty much buy your local newspaper because you know, you could order the New York times, but maybe it would come two days later or something. Um, so you didn't have the ability to access the best news source. You had the ability, the geography was a limiting factor. Those kinds of things have been eliminated by the internet. So now in any category, no matter what, I mean, you, you know, that what you want to go to the best retailer, you want to go to the best, you know, whatever this, that, the other thing you, you can choose to do it. So it becomes a winner take all situation. In mode. So at the time we had this conversation, that was a bit of a new idea. I mean, it, it, having been in journalism and, uh, and reporting on these things for a long time, I immediately realized like, that's really interesting. That's probably, that seems to be true. And they had, they had some pieces of methodology that they were using with companies at that time. And so I ended up saying, you know, yeah, yeah, let's explore this. This sounds like a really interesting idea. We ended up um, having a fantastic time working on this book. It was one of the most fun experiences I ever had because it was, it was a really different thing from being a sure. solo author. Now I'm working kind of, we, we always refer to this as like, it's like playing with a band versus playing as a solo artist. Well, sure. It probably didn't hurt that you had 
you know, some, some admiration and respect for, for Al over the course of those years, that relationship that you had with him led to a positive experience yeah. doing, you know, a craft that, you, that is your profession, the writing, you know what I mean? Yep. And once we, once we figured out, you know, how to, how to work together with all four of us, it just, we had a lot of fun doing it, but we also put a lot of discipline behind the, the thinking that they had brought to it and, and really kind of created this whole sort of soup to nuts methodology for category design. Category design is what we ended up calling it, um, you know, as a way to um, how do how do you identify a category in the first place? Uh, how do you put some language behind it so you can like really make it real and then um, do the things you have to do to make sure you're seen as the category leader over time? It's interesting. There's a, a CEO who is way smarter than me that uh, has not been on Knucklehead, but he's shared some some of his thought process around uh, how most of organizations are not necessarily looking to be the next Uber anymore, right? They're not looking for that necessarily that next breakthrough. They're looking to be, you know, a cup holder in an Uber, right? So almost like a an application in a way that's that's meant to provide leverage, you know, start small and, and end up with a, a large result. And that's akin to what you're talking about in the digital space, where you can create your own category of cup holder in an Uber, so to speak. And the process or the the methodology that you're describing here and uh, with your book it's born out of a lot of pain i would imagine having having been 10 years early for for al and then for you also seeing some coming from the the usa today uh kind of demand fulfillment you know folks wanting to take your call to now all of a sudden it's a different business model now and it's and it's now your your own so right before we get too far down the beaten path can you describe some of the pain associated with recognizing that what was isn't what is anymore and you know your process for i guess dealing with that well there was I, you know there was a, an aha for me when they were talking about um okay. this sort of winner take all category sure. kind of thing because i had been in newspapers because i had lived through um uh, understanding uh what you know the internet and a craigslist of the world were going to do to newspapers and seeing how that and, and watching these new digital media that were often very niche driven i mean think of something like Business Insider, which is now a huge business, but it started out as as just basically a, a, a stock market newsletter kind of thing, um, and uh, uh, you know on, online that um, that you know that then just sort of expanded and took off, and, and you know there were millions of these like little niche um, uh, you know journalistic operations that were popping up, and and but they could because of the internet a small niche operation could find it could assemble an audience from all over the world that would be big enough to sure. make it go. And, and so realizing these kinds of things was, um, you know, in my head, as they're talking about other industries, like I had experienced some of this and it led me to the aha that, you know, this is, this sounds right. Um, and, and became a, um, you know, uh, something that I, you know, I firmly believe in now. I mean, I, I've, I've studied, gone back now through the research we did with play bigger, but even after that working with clients, economists that have done, you know, um, different kinds of studies about this, about categories, and, and it all sort of plays out um, into the same, the same idea. So uh, it's, it's real. I've seen, it's a I've real seen some research. I haven't read Play Bigger. I can't wait to read it. Um, but uh, I need to. So I'm just full disclosure here. I have, have, but I've read something similar, where I don't necessarily know if it's a, if it was just a, uh, a part of a story. I, I wish I could give it some credit right now. But it talks about how in these categories that get created, you know, essentially first position holds obviously a vast majority of that market share. And then the second holds 
approximately 30% less. And then it, it dwindles even more and more. So, I mean, you could be ranked sixth or seventh in your respective category and be eking things out. I mean, ba- barely able to kind of scrape, uh, scrape by it. Honestly, to your point, everybody, there's no friction for, for folks saying, ah, I was the best. It's like the old consultant methodology. Nobody's ever been fired for, you know, hiring a McKinsey consultant to come in and, and run the play and it didn't work out. Right. It's hey, it's what McKinsey said to do. So it's, it, it it's a it's a it's a soft landing for uh you know for somebody to come in and and uh, and bring something like that in. It's interesting. It's fascinating too. Have you ever seen it at work against uh, an organization, especially a you know a private equity backed organization that you that you become familiar with? You don't necessarily have to throw out a name, but could you tell a story about where it didn't really work out the way that you thought it would? Without getting into specifics, of uh, I can just tell you generally, um, one of the conversations that we have with. Um, with any client. And this actually goes back to Al and Quokka, like, um, is that one of the great dangers is identifying a category and, and, um, and defining it really, really well when you can't, you're not yet in a position to pull it off. Um, and because if you do that, because to, to, uh, to us, like a great, a, a, a real category is something that everybody in the room starts to go, oh yeah, that actually has to exist in the world. There's no question that someday that thing will exist in the world. And if that's true, and then you've actually identified it for the world, but then you don't have the size or the resources or whatever to pull that thing off, you've just done somebody else an enormous favor. Uh, And and somebody else is going to come in and, and own that thing. I mean, this is a little bit of what happened with Quokka, right? They, they identified, and made people see this and you can't unsee it. Um, but they just didn't have the wherewithal to make that happen. So others kind of came in and, and, and did. Um, and that we see that happen over and over again. We, we have a conversation with companies of like, well, you know, actually if you're identifying a brilliant category, but you're not in a position to pull it off, we actually have to reel that back um, and, and uh, tell the world about something that you, is actually something you can do that puts you on a path to do that bigger category, but don't tell the world about that bigger thing um, yet, yet because you're you're going to lose it to somebody. MySpace else. went through that a little bit, and that that is My, a real MySpace thing. MySpace went through that, you know. Sure, and there's yeah. no there's no prizes for going first and failing, right? It's it's it seems like it's always right. the whoever comes second because they can benefit from that that well worn path. That first person who didn't succeed or or didn't achieve the 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 caliber of success that they wanted, they can achieve. Um, they can achieve that because some of the some of that path is already built for them, and they can create that momentum to get to the next. Uh, That's true, and and it's not necessarily that first, second, third, whatever is important. Um, there's a there's a this great economist uh, that um, I think goes unrecognized. He died about ten years ago or so, named named Paul Garoski, G E R O S K I, who studied market categories and and how they evolve over time. And, and so the most important moment in any new category is when what he calls the dominant design gets mm. chosen. Um, and, and, uh, and the dominant design, like some, somewhere years into a category existing, you know, the, you can imagine an early in a category, lots of companies are competing for that, trying to try out different versions of it. And a good example, perfect example is smartphones. You think like for years, there were all these crazy ideas about, you know, there's Blackberry with its chiclet keyboard thingies and Nokia with, you know, this version and whatever. Um, And so all these companies try all these different designs. But um, at some point, 
something happens that the public decides this is what this thing is. And that happened the day that Apple introduced the iPhone. And, you know, they were way late to that game, but they were able to present the public with something that said, you know, what we've been hearing about smartphones for years, but now we understand this is what a smartphone is. Um, And from that moment on, that was the dominant design in smartphones. And now every phone looks something like that, right? A great example. And all the other ones disappear or they fall away or they get absorbed or whatever else happens. So that that phenomenon, that actually happens in every single category um, that emerges. It's it's phenomenal to to be able to think about reverse engineering the process just through conversations to be able to see how, how true that is. Uh, you know, personal computers came yeah. to mind as we were talking through this discussion. Um, you know, Intel, AMD, those these processors, it seems like there's a bunch of different, you know, personal computers, but there's the inner workings of what makes them work. So let's let's land the plane here, Kevin. Let's uh let's do this. You know, I know that we're we're right up against it in terms of time. What's the best way for folks that are listening here to get in touch with you? How do you work? Do you, do they reach out on LinkedIn? Like, what's the what's the best way if something that you're talking about resonates with somebody who's sure. listening? How do they get in touch with Kevin Maney? Well, I will take about, about three minutes to tell you the the knucklehead story because it actually plays into that. Let's do that. Yeah. And uh, so, um, Al, Chris, and Dave had a firm called Play Bigger, and um, and and that was you know that as I started working with them we did that so now imagine I'm I'm a longtime writer author whatever I have no dreams of being an advisor or consultant or whatever um, so I think I'm working with these guys we're going to write this great book and then I'm going to go on and write more books and they're going to go on and be the consultants that they are and uh, so um, we're having this conversation about like, you know, the book is done and like most of the time titles of books in my experience come like after the book is done you're already talking to the publisher you're trying to figure out what's the best way to present this book so we're having i think we had called it originally category kings or category creation or something generic like that so i ended up suggesting you know let's just call the book play bigger it's a great phrase it says it all right and it's i know and it's also the name of your firm so it ends up becoming you know good advertising for the firm but it's it's a great title for a book and everybody agreed so we go out and, and we have, have this this book title, Play Bigger. And I, I always have this I, this concept of, you know, you never know what's good or bad, you know. <laughs> and and I, I think this this is awesome. The book goes, it comes out, people love the title. It takes off. It ends up doing phenomenally well. It's actually the best-selling book I've ever been a part of. Congratulations. Thanks. And and so a year, year and a half into that, um, what's happening is, people are reading the book and calling or when they're searching for play bigger online, they wind up at the play bigger firm site. Um, all all of these, so all these CEOs and founders are starting to call and say, you have to help us do what's in your book. And Alan, Chris and Dave had no interest in becoming a bigger entity. So they essentially deputized me and said, you know, you go out and I ended up forming a, a, a firm called category design advisors with, Another member of sort of this whole family, a guy named Mike Danfaus, who's known these guys, worked with these guys for 20 years. And so we formed category design advisors to take up some of the slack of all this stuff that's coming in. And so we start developing our own business, our own advisors. And we're still like, everybody's all friends. Everybody's good. You know, and and still are to this day. However, having called the book Play Bigger means that now people read the book and they search for Play Bigger. They land on Play Bigger. They don't find me. (laughs) (laughs) 
maybe one of the dumbest business mistakes I've ever made. And I didn't yeah, know it at the time. But you named it right. You named it right. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's interesting how you, you went through that process. Obviously, the, the process getting to that point, I appreciate you sharing that story. Uh, it's led to some some pretty incredible opportunities for you. And in, in, in addition to that, you know, to your point about it being one of the largest selling books that you've done, born out of the, the frustration going from you know, a, a large category king like USA Today, uh, or at least a category competitor in that instance relative to uh, to newspapers, to this this whole digital transformation that, you know, everybody and every business on the planet is experiencing to this day. So that frustration that you, yeah. you know, that, that painful lesson that you had to go through, it's now you get to share those lessons in a, in a story and help those who are fortunate enough to cross paths with you. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing that story. Thanks. Yeah. And so to your question, they can find me, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me at, I mean, category design advisors is the name of the firm that I, you know, I formed. Um, and, uh, and I have, I mean, I have my own website called kevinmania.com. So there's lots, lots of ways for anybody to find me. Awesome. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you taking some time to share, not just the knucklehead story, right? I mean, the, the things that you, that you learn, you know, reverse engineering the process sooner, uh, like like what to name a book, so folks know where to go and how to find you, um, and also just the, the lessons of not being able to, uh, you know, have the opportunity, take the opportunity to talk to Larry about investing in Google because it'd be nice to be on that yacht right about now. However, it just is what it is. It is what it is. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you. Uh, any last things that you want to sh- leave these folks with before we jam? I, I think we're good and great conversation. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, for those of you who like uh, listen, Knucklehead, Kevin told you exactly how to get in touch with him. So your price uh, of admission for listening to the show is real simple. I challenge you to, to connect with him. You know, reach out, touch base, talk to him about what is his favorite article that he ever wrote uh, in, you know, in technology, those years and years working with USA Today. What organizations could he have worked with outside of Google that he would like to, you know, who, who was somebody that he has a, a good relationship with now that, you know, is different than their public persona? Those are great questions to ask, at least in my opinion, that we didn't get to today. I'd love to, to jump into uh, some other time. But Kevin, I appreciate you taking the time, sharing your stories with us. Uh, again, those of you who like Listen Knucklehead, new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. Remember, don't be a bait about the process. You're gonna have a bloody nose whenever you go out there and, and step out and try to do something great. It's going to happen. You're going to screw up, but you got to go out and get some wins, get some small wins, and eventually you get to where you're going. So we appreciate you, Kevin. Have a good rest of the day, okay? Thanks. Appreciate it, David.